1: Welcome to the Basketball Addicts Podcast, the one podcast in the world that answers the only question that ever truly mattered in the world, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, we might have some famine, might have some of this, some of that, but how can I hear from outside of the finals you can't even get in? How can you hear from outside of the finals when you can't even get in? And that is exactly where we're going to go today because we're going to be talking about free agency. Yep. We're coming at you live, talking about the free agency. We missed a couple weeks, you know, things happen in our lives, you know what I mean? We're all human here. We're back at it to deliver some be- some of the best basketball content you probably will ever hear. We heard it here first. We We're yes. talking free agency. We're going to talk about is you know we're going to talk about some of the Dame rumors like oh he might want he wants to go to Miami but Portland may not allow him to go there because he's not restricted. He doesn't have a trade clause, so he doesn't yeah. really control his destiny. But he's trying to. We're going to talk exactly. about the Cavaliers yeah. getting better. We're going to talk about the Warriors getting Chris Paul. We're going to talk about Memphis. Getting Marcus Smart in Boston, going to leaving Marcus Smart alone, and getting Christophs Porzingis. We're going to talk about all of that today. Yeah. So get ready for an exciting episode here, Jason. You got anything you want to say to the listeners before we get
0: going? <clears throat> uh, no. Thank you guys for listening, and you know, strap in. We're also going to be covering that new play-in tournament, not that play-in tournament, mid-season tournament that actually got announced as well after all this free agency stuff, which is going to be crazy. I never would have thought in a million years that that would be real. But here we are. <laughs> so is that where you want to start at? You want to start with the tournament? Uh, let's go free agency first. All
1: right. That's cool. That's cool. That's okay. cool, cool. So let me ask you, Jason. Yes. And this is the question that everybody wants to know, right? Okay. Besides how you can emphasize the finals you not to get in. Mm-hmm. Is who do you think up until this point? one free agency give me like the top five teams who you think won free agency
0: okay top five teams that won free agency um you know try to make sure before i say it that they're one let's see here let me see here Uh, five. Ooh. Oh. okay, it's down to those two. Okay. Yeah. Uh the the team that won free agency, in my opinion, is the Lakers. Um mm-hmm. they're the first winner. There's there's a few that did really well that were thinking about one, and then I saw the Lakers on the list and I was like, yep, that's number one. So mm-hmm. the ability to they re-signed Jared Vanderbilt to a one-year $4.7 they, uh They did lose Troy Brown, who's a 3 and D rotational forward, to the Timberwolves, but they also gained Torian Prince, who's a 3 and D small forward from the Minnesota Timberwolves. They literally just swapped, yeah. swapped rotational bodies. Uh, getting Jackson Hayes. as a really athletic rotational center that you know, flashed the ability to shoot the three and stuff like that. And getting D'Lo to a really cheap two-year, $37 million deal was nice. They got Austin Reeves to a four-year, $56 million. They got Ruri Hachimura on a three-year, $51 million. And they they got Cam Reddish on a two-year deal. You know, they may have lost Mo Bamba and lost Dennis Schroeder for a two-year, 26 And they lost Lonnie Walker. And they lost Malik Beasley as well. But when we think about the Lakers... They, one you got to give a ton of credit for Genie Buzz, because there's no way in this world that they aren't paying a ton of money in the luxury cap, military tax. Oh, for sure. Uh, they did a great job with Austin Reeves. He is gonna be so good. And what they really did is, they I think every everybody realized if you're a real LeBron James fan that he lost a year in the playoffs. He just he has a cap on how many points per game he can score in the playoffs and how much uh, you know time he can handle the ball and stuff like that. Like he can be an extremely efficient twenty five like he was in the playoffs or and maybe next year he's an extremely finished finished, extremely efficient twenty three points per game, right mm. it, it, the, the decrease will happen, but they found success with having ball handlers that can get buckets not named lebron right and using mm-hmm. them in a lot in pick and rolls and re-signing austin reese who was so good in that role re-signing d who was so good in that role re-signing jared van who's such a key defensive player and they also added Jalen mm-hmm. hood Shafino in the draft so they added into this pick and roll depth right and um for them to also also somebody that they've received as well was gabe vincent who was a three-year 33 million dollar contract you know so gabe vincent just won an nba championship he's extremely good in the pick and roll he's also a guy that can be a high volume ball handler and you can get good buckets from and on top of that and top on top of that what's really big with gabe vincent is they didn't have a single guy last year that was like okay. This is our guard defender. Now they have a guy with Gabe Vincent that mm-hmm. can be that guard defender when he's in the game. He'll guard the opponent's the other team's best player, and that's really big. So you know they have a really great four guard rotation. They were able to keep Rui Hachimura and keep Austin Reeves and sign Cam Bradish who's a high upside guy. What I really love about it is they have so many like, let's list them off. Austin Reeves, uh, D'Lo, Rui Hachimura, Cam Reddish, and Jalen Huchivino and Trey Murphy. Six guys, two of them were drafted. They have six guys that still have clear upside to be game, right? They still have the ability to grow and to be able to score more points per game and be more effective and grow their game and become a better passers, right? Like, they're still younger guys. And I like the fact that the Lakers said, we're going to take, instead of just believing in one guy, let's say, but they just only recite Austin Reeves that's a young guy. And we're just betting everything on him to improve. They bet on six guys to improve, right? And I really like that. I really like the fact that they took multiple shots. Also, Jackson Hayes is in that list, but he's not like, oh, wow, I hope he improves as a scorer. No, he's not really going to be able to score. It's the hope that he'll... Reach his potential defensively. He's a really good at really gifted athlete. Um, uh, so you know, this this makes a lot of sense. I feel like this was the right kind of moves. You gotta give a ton of credit for um their GM. I can't rob Palenka for signing the right kind yeah, of Robert guys, Blanca. um, getting those ball handlers, getting guys that have the potential potential to be scorers and to grow more within their game. So really love what they did. So I'd have Lakers number one, man. What do you think about the Lakers?
1: Oh, for sure. Lakers without a doubt. You know, anything that makes the Lakers better and LeBron closer to winning the chip or at least winning, you know, and getting far into the playoffs, I'm all for it. I see it more like, so I'm going to start here with, you know, the drafting and everything like that. So Jalen Hoof, Shafino and Maxwell Lewis are two great pickups for sure for the Lakers. I mean, you get a young you know, hungry talents such as Jalen Hush mm-hmm. who can score, put the ball on the floor. We have Maxwell Lewis who can also score and defend. So it's like, you know, you're getting better. You're getting, you get you you building for the future as well. And then you you sign instead of going out and getting, you know, I think the Lakers used to be like every I think the youngest player was like thirty at one point. Now yeah. we have, you know, a lot of young Rising stars such as Austin Reeves, you know what I mean. Delo's not—he's not a spring chicken, but he's still pretty young. You know what I think? He's like mm-hmm. twenty-seven, twenty-eight. You know what I mean? A lot of young players who you know can go—you know—who—who who have a little bit more fresher legs, who can you know hit those ceilings and really go and get a bucket. And it makes it better for LeBron because LeBron can go back into like more of his natural, um, his natural game.
0: Yeah.
1: And when I say natural game, is what I mean is like. LeBron has always been a pass first guy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Always. So when he has the ball in his hand and he's able to manipulate defenses, is when he's at his best. But yeah. he's always been able to hit that gear and to go into takeover mode and, you know what I mean? And drop 30, you know, 40, and, what, and so on and so forth. But you're absolutely right. With the fact of him getting a little bit older, he has lost the gear, so he's not able to do that. So when he's able to have he looks around the court and he can, okay, I could pass here, I could pass here. I know these guys can go get a bucket when we need it. Then now he can come back into his natural, you know, his natural game. And I think that also a great pickup, you know, outside of, you know, um, you know, the draft, I believe the best pickup that they have right now, and I'm gonna say this in terms of Anthony Davis is Jackson Hayes. I think that's a perfect pickup because he's more of a natural center. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He's, he's kind of on the tall side. He can defend. He can, He's a shot blocker as well. That kind of, t- you know, AD really doesn't like to play the center position a lot. So I can see that with the Jackson Hayes ad, that allows him to come back into, you know, maybe a power forward position and kind of stretch and be like a stretch forward a little bit more. And maybe he if he wants to, he could put the ball on the floor and drive, but he doesn't really have to sit and clog the paint. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's also great for AD, especially if, you know, as long as he's working out this, this uh, summer and getting back healthy and stuff yeah. like that. Um, Cam Reddish is also a great pickup. I think that he'll be great for the Lakers. Um, and they did lose some shooting. I will say that they lost Malik Beasley. That's, that's kind of a hit. But I think with the guards that they have, the four guard rotation that you really, as you, you know, pointed out, I think that's a great start. Yeah. Going forward, especially with these guys are going to grow together. They're, you know, they're with LeBron. I think that this team going forward will be better, um, especially because they've had a year together already. I mean, well, you know, everybody outside of like who they just drafted and traded for, it, but they've had a year together. So, and then the Ham, darman Ham, I think that he's a pretty decent, okay coach. So I think that he'll be able to kind of incorporate everybody slowly in there after they mm-hmm. throw out a couple, you know, Couple lineups, it may or may not work, and then he'll figure it out as as the season goes on. He's really good at um, what is it called? Uh, uh, adjustments. He's really good at adjustments. So, True. um, I I would say Lakers are number one for sure. I, I just like their pickups. I like the Jackson Hayes one because you know that gives AD some wiggle room. You know what I mean to you know step down a little bit and maybe play a little bit more power forward than center. And I do like the guard pickups because, you know, now you can spread the floor even more in everybody who you just picked up can go get a bucket. So yeah. now you don't really have to rely on LeBron looking around like that. Who do I pass to? It's only me and Austin Reeves. You know what I mean? Because, like, mm-hmm. they they had something. They figured it out. And I, they figured it out last trade deadline before the All-Star, or is it after the All-Star break? Before the All-Star break when they got D'Lo, Malik Beasley, uh, Vando. And Lonnie Walker, they figured it out. Mm-hmm. It was like, wow, th- a team like that can go far. Yep. Then they just made it better. So I, yep. I think that they're 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 looking at they're looking at at um possible deep run in the playoffs for sure.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I feel like that's definitely a good point. Um all right, you ready to transition? Let's rock it. Alright, so number two on the list. Um I would go with the hometown team, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Without a doubt. <clears throat> Without a doubt. Okay, so just to run through what they did, they gained Karis LeVert, two-year, $32 million contract. Max Struess got a four-year, $63 million. They got George Nahang for a three-year, $26 million. Uh, they got Damian Jones, who's a very athletic backup center. Uh they got Ty Jerome two year five million. They lost Chetty Osman for one year one six point seven million, Lamar Stevens, Robin Lopez. Uh but what the Cavs did, man, was phenomenal from the sense of a basketball sense because last year in those playoffs there was two major issues. Um and they both relate to one one situation was their small forward, I think it was Lamar Stevens um, or some other small forward that was just mostly a defensive guy, the other teams helped off in a, to an extreme degree. Mm-hmm. We're going to say, we're going to let this guy beat us it's because we are going to do anything to get the ball out of Donovan Mitchell's and Darius Garland's hands in the playoffs, especially Donovan Mitchell. So. They desperately needed a small forward that could keep that defense honest and not allow for gimmicky defenses to sh- shut down and slow down the Cleveland Cavaliers' offense. Max Strus is exactly that. He's six seven. I understand he played small, small shooting guard at sh- Miami. I don't think people really understand. Max Strus is a legit six seven, right? Shoots the poo of the ball. Also, defend. Yeah. he's an above average to good defender. Right? And part of his good defending is high effort and great coaching. Right? Like, he doesn't have the kind of body and athletic gifts that, like, oh, man, this guy's going to be a great defender. It was mostly coaching effort and in, in length that allowed him to be a good defender in my end. Right? Well, yeah. at Cleveland, we got J.B. Bickerstaff, who everybody defends. It doesn't matter if you're a starter. It doesn't matter if you're a bench guy. Like Think about a guy like Karis Levert, who I never saw defend a single possession in my life before J.B. Bickerstaff gets there. And you go look and watch Mm. him play, and you're like, wow, Karis Levert really defends now. J.B. Bickerstaff forces everybody to defend. That's their identity. So there's no issue of, oh, man, Max Struss might not be pushed as much. He might not be held as to a high of a standard. Yeah, that's J.B. Bickerstaff. J.B. is going to make that happen, right? And he's going to fit so perfectly at that small forward. It's also going to allow them to, if they use it, to allow them to give that defense another thing to worry about. Because on top of him being a shooter, he's really phenomenal coming off ball screens and pin down screens and being off ball and running them through actions where he can curl. And you know what I mean? And get some efficient points and keep that defense focused, especially on the weak side. So it adds a new layer, if used, to their offense, that could also uh, really be a a nice change up to the Donovan Mitchell, Darius Garland, ridiculously efficient pick and roll, right? Yeah. Um. So they through that they added two things to the team, and by doing that, they negated the weakness and got a guy that can fit their defensive formula, right? So I love that pick pickup. And another thing that you know, um. So on top of those small forward not being able to shoot, another guy that left midway through the season um, really hurt them three-point shooting-wise that led them in the playoffs to be a below-average-ish three-point shooting team was Kevin Love. Kevin Love, throughout the halfway through the season, was doing a really great job off the bench being a spacing power forward. It was really great because the Cleveland Cavaliers, on top of the defense, believe in size. They love Starting Evan Mobley and Jared Allen, they're huge. And when Jared Allen's off the floor, usually Evan Mobley's their center in there are in, you know what I mean? They and them having a guy and them having Kevin Love was really great because he's placed the floor. He'd be 6'8". He does the intangible things of being a big, uh, you know what I mean? Good, good screen setter, good rebounder, right? And it really added to the the team fitting well together. Well, Kevin Love left Midway through the season, they let go of his contract. They waived him. So they did a really good signing of George Who George Nguyen can shoot the poo at the ball. He's a power forward. He can post. He can rebound well. He's a really great screen setter. So that really was a phenomenal bench signing. Um, I really love what they did. Getting Karas Levert for that money was great. They definitely need to retain him. He definitely has a high upside to be a ridiculously elite sixth man in the NBA. He just needs to become more consistent. Sometimes he shows up and he drops 32. Sometimes he shows up and drops six. We need a little bit more of yeah. just him dropping 16. But He has the potential mm-hmm. to be that, right? He has high upside. He just needs to be more consistent day to day. But he definitely was worth the signing, right? And he's still a younger mm-hmm. guy. So... Uh, get Them getting Damian Jones as well as a highly athletic rotational center really adds to their depth um, because last year it was kind of Robin Lopez, and he was really slow, and they couldn't really play him, so now they have another option center. Uh, you know what I mean? Tire Jerome's a pretty solid rotational guard. Um, it's not like they added a lot there, but they didn't lose much. Chetty Osman really didn't get a lot of minutes from them. Lamar Stevens was the small forward that was a good defender, really couldn't shoot very well, but... Uh you know, I I really think that the Cavs got that missing piece with Max Struce and they got him on a good deal. Like four years, 63 millions, not much for Max Struce. Think about Duncan Robinson. He got like a four million, a hundred million dollar deal, right? Four year a hundred million. Yeah. Like Duncan Robinson's a similar type of player. Honestly, he doesn't defend as well, but he's like paid paid, right? So them getting mm-hmm. Struess on this deal was amazing. Um so you gotta give the Cavs a ton of credit. This is the kind of move that I legitimately think that in about two years they could be pushing for an NBA title because they mm-hmm. have the formula to give other teams issues if their young players develop and grow and become veterans, right? And that is the two bigs. Those two bigs, those two seven footers can give that has the potential to give Joel and Bead a lot of issues it has the potential to give yeah. Milwaukee Bucks and all their length and their ability to defend that length a lot of issues. So they, if Evan Mobley is able to hit his potential, there's going to come a point in time whenever that does happen and, you know, Karis Levert becomes more consistent, this team can win a ring. And Max Schuss is a younger guy as well. I mean, nobody that's a starter on the Cleveland Cavaliers is, like, older than 26 or 27, right? So... yeah. It's great. It's a great young core and I'm so excited about it.
1: Oh, for sure. Cavs it has really dug into that. Okay. We're going to be young. We're going to be athletic. We're going to be, you know, um, you know, defend, we're going to be great defenders and stuff like that. They really dug into the identity. So I think that these pickups are awesome, especially with Max Straits. You, you already hit the nail on the head with, you know, he's coming from Miami with that, you know, that culture of that hard nosed defense that, you know, play every minute of every game and, you yeah. know, and, um, Especially with his shooting, and his scoring ability as well. But I do want to say that we just also got George Dieng, who's also a, a great three-point shooter as well. So um, we've we've got a we've we've really looked at what we did wrong last year
0: mm-hmm.
1: and improved upon it this year. So, like you said, two years tops. I could see them, you know, moving into you know into NBA title range. You know what I mean? As yeah. like one of those young teams, as as, as homegrown built. You know, and going to going for an NBA title, I can definitely see that coming in the near future as well. Um, I just like the team now. I mean, I think that one thing that we did deal with a lot last year, and I think that you know, you know, was injuries. We dealt with a lot of injuries, especially mm-hmm. with uh, Jared Allen. He was hurt, and then he wasn't the same when they came back to the Knicks. And it, when we lost to the Knicks, he wasn't playing. So when we beat the Knicks, he was playing. Then in the playoffs he just wasn't ready because he just kind of came back from injury so Mm -hmm. he wasn't the same player we didn't have anybody who really could throw out there besides Mobley I mean Mobley still he's getting there but Damian Jones I think he can really put really kind of step into that role Mm -hmm. okay listen if Jared Allen isn't there I can back up I can be the shot blocker I can be the lob threat this can be me so I think that that's uh you know a very critical point that they hit on because we're not really center focused but when our center isn't Playing at his best, and then we definitely don't look like the same team anymore when we True. can't guard the rim. Yeah. So, um, so because he's definitely a focal point of our defenses too. So, I think that they definitely, like I said, they looked at last year. Like, okay, look, Jared Allen was hurt. We haven't really been able to, you know what I mean. When when he's that not there, we can't really defend that well. So, we need somebody else who we can stick in that spot. You know what I mean. So that we could just keep going like it's normal, like it's every day at, at, at work. So and then we definitely added a lot of shooting, a lot of scoring. Karis Levert is also a big pickup. Like you said, he can sometimes go for 30 sometimes he can go for two, but he's a solid defender. Yeah. I um, mean, he can score. He has that ceiling, but what we need to do is we need to c- create more consistency. Um, So hopefully he'll, he'll, he'll be able to create more consistency and kind of range within that 15, 16, maybe 17, 19 range of points per game. And then we will be a solid team from then on. Um, yeah. 'Cause I think we came to we came really reliant on the Donovan Mitchell, Darius Garland pick and roll. Um so I think this allows the floor to be spaced a little bit more and we did get rid of Shetty Osman. Um, you know, he signed somewhere else. Um I think that's also good because he had the proverbial green light. i watched several Cavs games where he was just chucking up threes, and I'm like, he's not that great of a three-point shooter, but this is all you have to <laughs> yeah. de- depend on, then I can see why.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: now you have Max Struce, so you like you can give him the green light. George and Yang, you can give him the green light, and they're going to knock down more threes than Shetty Osmond will. So now yeah. you look like a way better team, more of a threat offensively, and then you even look like a threat defensively as well. So I cannot wait to see what this team looks like going into the season. I'll definitely be getting some tickets.
0: Yeah, Yeah, I agree with you. All right, you ready to kick it to the next team? Let's go. All right, the next team up, the third-ranked team is the Dallas Mavericks for me, man. I mean, first things first. Mm, interesting. Getting Kyrie back for three years, 126. I like it. They also signed mm. Seth Curry as well on a two-year deal. Bring him back. Yeah. Um, Good three-point shooting guard. Dwight Powell, who was the very much the key um, small ball big that they like to run out when they run their small ball line lineup, um, getting Dante Exum, getting him a shot, another shot in the NBA. No guarantees that that's going to stick. Uh, they got Grant Williams, four years, mm-hmm. fifty-four million. They lost two second round draft picks. They lost Reggie Bullock in a twenty thirty pick swap probably a first round pick swap um but yeah. this for me is pretty obvious <laughs> this is about yeah i mean adding steph curry adding the guard sleep shooting's nice them retaining dwight powell who you know was a big reason why they beat the utah jazz a few years ago when luca and jason kidd and that team made it really far into the playoffs um that small ball lineup with dwight powell was extremely important so retaining him was extremely important As that option. Um, And Grant Williams. Grant Williams. Grant Williams is the reason why. Him. He is a 6'5". Three point shooting. Defending one through four. At an extremely high level. Four years. 54 million worth every dollar. On the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, Because they had the weakness. of Defensively they suck. Let's be honest about this. They were by far the worst defense in the NBA. And when you gain a phenomenal world-class defender like Grant Williams, if I had to say greatest defender in the NBA, what would Grant Williams be? I'd say 25 to 35. He is a rigid he's legitimately a very elite defender. Um and those highly elite defenders can get you very, very far. And he's gonna be able to guard the best mm-hmm. teams forward. And on top of that, the man shoots like 38, 40% for the three point line. Right. So, um, that's phenomenal. It allows them to find a piece that um where where they have enough spacing where maybe their four doesn't even need to shoot threes because you have Grant Williams, right? Like they yeah. they definitely added a lot there. And I think with the pieces of the draft of Derek Lively, who's a really good center seven one, can shop a lot you know, was in the lottery, can rebound, can screen set, and you know, them adding 26 pick a guy from Marquette who I comp Jake Crowder. Um, even though the sheet three-point shot is not fully along yet, this this team did make the steps to becoming um possibly a team that could be in the four and five seed, right? Just with Grant Williams, mm-hmm. just because of how phenomenal he is in all the pieces that they got, right? Christian Wood has not signed yet, so maybe they do retain him. Maybe they don't. I don't know yet. He's by far the biggest prospect that's still out there in free agency. Uh, But yeah, I feel like what Dallas did here, phenomenal. I love what they did. They also didn't... didn't they made the right choice by re-signing Kai. They made the right choice by being the best pitch for Kyrie. Because this team does have the potential to win the NBA championship if built around correctly. And they took the first steps very correctly with Grant Williams. He's a key piece. So I'm glad about this. Yeah.
1: I want to say something, though. Like, I think not last time we talked, but I believe when Kyrie first um, signed to the Dallas Mavericks, and I believe we were talking, I think this might have been an episode, and he was like, Mark Cuban is the kind of owner who will, roll out the brinks truck to keep Kyrie and and yeah. th- was it three years 126 million yeah. i see what you mean
0: <laughs> he's paid but it's not a he's full max, though it's not a full five-year deal so the, the dallas 14 nah. some like optionality yeah
1: so like it's actually a smart deal but it's also a good deal for both sides yeah, exactly.
0: because i
1: was reading into his deal so he has 120 million that's guaranteed but then the six million is incentive. So it's based on like games played, you know, and games won and stuff like that. So he has ince- the six million is incentivized. So he really only gets uh-huh. 120 million guaranteed, but if they win games and performs well, then he'll get the six million. So it's actually, it's, it's actually a really good one, because you got the three years, and if you don't like it, then you kind of can option them out and then put them on the trade block and then trade them out and then get something else. So it's actually a really smart deal. But I think that that right there, retaining Kyrie, putting him next to Luca, giving them another year together. Even though he was shipping, he was going around a free agency. I think he, that might have just been more like a ploy mm-hmm. to kind of try to get some more money out of Dallas, knowing that he was probably much going to stay there. Because I don't really see, I didn't really see him. I, I wanted to see. I mean, I was thinking like maybe he would leave, but then I was thinking like I don't really see him leaving. Because yeah. I mean. I, for, for reasons i was like i don't really see him leaving really it was like if you go to phoenix i would i wouldn't like basketball anymore because i wouldn't want to see that yeah. um so it just wouldn't make sense but um yeah so and then also i think you hit the nail on the head with the Grant williams thing he's he's been known to be able to you know defend the best player defend one through four you know what i mean he's like six five yeah he can shoot the lights out the basketball win you know so that adds a lot of depth to their team, especially because I'm pretty sure he's going to start so as a yeah. of team. And then we have Luca, who's like this phenomenal ball handler. You know what I mean? Can pass the, pass the ball like nobody else. Yeah. Um, and just gives them more weapons and more people to depend on. Slowly but surely, I like what they're doing because mm-hmm. they've built a team away from, okay, we got our team consists of Luca and Tim Hardaway Jr., they moved away from that. <laughs> so yeah. I'm like beyond happy that their team no longer looks like that. They got Kyrie. They got Grant Williams. They're slowly starting to build a, a championship contender. And we know Dallas can do that. This this is, a t- this is a team that's been there before who has won before. So they know how to build a championship contender. Yeah. And I think that they're learning how to do one in the modern age. So I'm, I'm, I'm liking what I'm seeing. This is a team that can push for four or five. This is going to be another exciting team to watch. I think the three teams that we just talked about, the Lakers, the Cavs, and now Dallas, these are the three teams that's going to be really fun to watch going in, especially when we see that uh, midseason tournament as well.
0: Yeah, I agree with you, man. I agree with you. All right, you ready to kick it to the next team? Let's go. All right, the number four teams, a little bit under the radar, New York Knicks. Okay, so they re-signed Josh Hart one year, $12.9 million. They, um mm-hmm. They re- got a second round of draft pick from a trade, and they got Dante DiVincenzo for year, $50 million. They lost Derrick Rose. They lost uh, Obi Toppin. Derrick Rose got a two-year deal, and that's it. So the New York Knicks, they got hot last year. And they got hot for a specific reason, and that was after trading for Josh Hart. Josh Hart Mm -hmm. was a perfect fit as their rotational guard. The first guy to come off the bench, they don't have another guy that can defend at that guard position. He can shoot threes. He's extremely important to their team. He definitely was a very important puzzle piece. And another very important puzzle piece that they found success with is, Having RJ Barrett at the three, having Julius Randle at the four, having Jalen Brunson at the two. And, you know, even though they used to have RJ Barrett at the two, they've really found success offensively with him at the three. And Mm -hmm. they used Quentin Grimes as their two, right? But Quentin Grimes in the playoffs wasn't really able to produce much. He also in the regular season wasn't doing much anyway. Emmanuel Quigley does really great things as a rotational guard. So them adding Dante DiVincenzo, who is, you know, what the Bucs used to be, have moments where he'd be starting for them, right, for a few years Mm -hmm. there. Like, he is a really good three-point shooter. He can shock, right? He's extremely consistent in the playoffs. He just showed you the Golden State, right? This this is the kind of guy that can be, he's an upgrade to that two-guard offensively. So it's going to allow them to operate better offensively, give them more spacing for Jalen LeBron- Brunson, allow them to get more scoring from that two-card position to allow RJ Barrett to do his thing at the three and to allow Julius Randle to have the spacing at the four. This team did make improvements. This team is going to be a better team than they were last year. These, these yeah. may be smaller moves, but this was improvements, I think, that they found success with last year. Because they got a lot of scoring from the guard position. But they did they came up a little bit short in the postseason, especially against the Miami Heat from the guard position, from guys not named. Like Jalen Brunson, RJ Barrett, Julius Randle had really good series against Miami Heat. Everybody else really didn't show up. So getting a guy that you know trusts in the playoffs, an upgrade of that two guard position, really happy about mm-hmm. it. They have a really good rotation with him and Josh Hart, Jalen Brunson, Emmanuel Quickly, Quentin Grimes. That's a lot of depth there. And Obi Toppin didn't bring him much, right? He was more of a, you know, when he's in the game, he wants to try to show himself off. And when he's in the game, they're just going to make him beat them with the shooting. Try to make Obi yeah. Toppin beat us. And, you know, it makes sense to move off of him and get some sort of shooting forward of some sort, right? So... Yeah, I uh, I think they made the right moves here. I'm glad about it, and the Knicks are going to be better than what they were last year.
1: Oh, without a doubt, they're going to be better than what they were this year. Um, because they add, like I said, you they added Donovan, Dante Divincenzo, so now they've gotten really deep at the guard position as well with the point guard, shooting guard. You know, especially with Josh Hart, Jalen Brunson, Dante Divincenzo, Emmanuel Quickly, Quentin Grimes. They've all gotten a lot better. Um, even with, you know, if they wanted to move, maybe R- RJ, they kind of found a good spot with him at the four, but far as the guards, I mean, I think that's like the best they can do. Um, especially when they, you know, they could possibly throw out like Josh Hart, you know what I mean? And maybe Dante DiManchesto, cause they all have a connection. They've, they've known each other cause they used to play in college Villa together, Nova, especially yeah. with Jalen Brunson and you know the Villanova I mean, Wildcats yeah. connection. They yeah. won rank. ring. So they bring in that chemistry back to the, t- back to, um, New York, um, especially. So I, I just, I, I think that's going to be another one that's going to be fun to watch. Um, I like the pickup of Dante DiVincenzo, especially because you said, like, you mean, like I said, you hit the nail on the head with the, you know, efficiency, the three-point shooting, the shot creation. That's going to be big for them because, like you said, in the playoffs, it kind of was like when they played against the Miami Heat, like you could depend on Jalen Brunson, but he didn't really have anybody, you know, else really outside of like R.J. Barrett, like the guard position, the other, the other guard was kind of like lacking for him. Yeah. So they was like, oh, and then Obi Top, and of course you can't you can't really do much but dunk, so um and drive to the hole a little bit. So yeah. I think moving off of them and getting better, and getting more shooting, bringing more shot creation into the team, I think that's gonna be big for them going forward. Uh-huh. Um, we already seen that the young team can go forward. I mean, can go can go at least into the second round. Um, with the team as currently constructed, and I think they'll probably they could possibly make a push now. Um, depending on what the rest of the East looks like at the end of free agency or maybe even before the All-Star break, they could possibly make a push. Yeah. So I think this is going to be a nice rivalry, I think, you know that the New York Knicks and the Cavs are kind of creating. That. I'm going to like to see it now that the Knicks also um, loaded up on weapons as well.
0: Yeah, yeah I agree with you, man. And uh, even though they might not ever, maybe they'll never win a championship, but New York fans need to sit back and enjoy good basketball because that's what you can get next year. Yeah. Yeah. All right. You ready to go to the fifth ranked team on this? Let's go for it. Okay. So the fifth ranked team is man, I got two teams in my head that I'm still debating. Let's let's go with let's let's go with the uh Indiana Pacers. So, Mm -hmm. the Indian Pacers retained Tyrese Halliburton's five-year, $260 million contract. Really like it. They overpaid this guy a lot, but they really needed his role. They paid Bruce Brown, the two-guard rotational defender for the Denver Nuggets, two years and $45 million. One, is that an overpay? Yes! They really overpaid him. But they desperately needed a guard that could defend, and he's also a younger guy, so they can retain his contract. The Indiana Pacers are also one of those teams that suck at defending. They also gained. Oh, it will be topped through trades, which I don't think I'll start over Jarris Rocker, but they do need another forward body, and they do need a young, younger guy at that forward spot, rotational wise. He's got still got high upside. He's just very raw, so. You know, that was a good risk for a second-round draft pick. Um, so I really like what Indiana did. They leveraged their money, free, their cap space, to get good fits. And, you know, you got to give credit where credit's due on that because they did a good job of it.
1: Um, they do leverage the money really well. Now, I will say that... Indiana, I would agree with them being like five because they 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 spent a lot of money, right? They spent a lot of money on Tyrese Halliburton, spent a lot of money on Bruce Brown, um, and they got Ob Toppin as well, but they lost Chris Duarte. Yeah, true. So, I I mean, I I would say kind of locking down their franchise. I would call them a winner because they they clearly are going all in on Tyrese Halliburton. You know what I mean? And the young pieces that they have there. But they lost some key shooting, especially because, like, when Duarte gets – when Chris Duarte gets hot, I mean, it's pretty much over. You can't really stop him at that point. Um, And I'm not too against, you know, the signing of Bruce Brown. I think that adds Mm -hmm. another level of scoring. And maybe they thought they got better of scoring, shot creation. So I'm okay with that. Um, So, I mean – like I said, as they, I don't really think Indiana did anything too special this year as far as free agency. Like like I said, they just locked down their franchise, which I'm okay with. I, I, I respect that. They see Tyler Burton as their future going forward. I love it for them.
0: Yeah. I um I think they move off the of Christopher more about the future fit of trying to get a traditional small forward there because when they drafted Chris Duarte, they didn't have Benedict Mather on the team. And I'm sure even the Indiana Pacers didn't expect Benedict Matherin to be that good year one, so I think they're making yeah. the space for because Chris Duarte's is a six six guy. Traditionally, if Tyler's Halliburton and Ben, if ben, ben, Benedict Matherin was not on the team, Chris Duarte would be the two guard, right? Um, yeah. so and he has real no defensive potential. It's all scoring wise, and even though scoring wise he would work with the team defensively, he just wouldn't be able to give you what you know you probably would want and. So I I think they made space for Benedict Matherin to gr- to be defined as a two guard, and them to in the future get their long term small forward, which is probably going to come through next year's draft.
1: Yeah, true. And then they can make space; they don't have to pay two, two, two um two rookies. They can yeah. just pay Benedict Matherin, and then kind of slide in this Harry and then that'll be their duo. Yeah. So I can see
0: it. Yeah. I can see it. That's what I think's happening. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. All right. So uh, do you want just go team through team? We can go we can go losers. Okay. Top five losers? Oh, okay. Um my we're top three losers. Top three
1: losers. Let's make it a little harder. Top three losers. Okay.
0: My number one loser is the Toronto Raptors. Uh yes. What? <laughs> Bro, first things yes. first. They yes, <laughs> they lost Fred Fan Fleet for a three-year $130 million deal. First things first. Biggest one. Why would you do that? <laughs> Why wouldn't you pay the guy? Like, like every once in a while in sports, a guy who will be widely regarded as a great gym would just straight up lose his touch. And we've been slowly, every, you know, been like, okay, basketball-wise, Scotty Barnes or Pascal don't fit. Right? Like, who, what are What are they smoking? Right? P- Scotty Barnes yeah. needs to be a four and have the spacing around him. Right. And last year, we were like, why in the world are they not moving off of Fred Van Fleet and Pascal building with this young core? Okay. So if they wanted to be a very average basketball team and try to be, be in the play ins and put on a respectable squad, then why in the world did they not pay Fred Van Fleet? Like, what that this makes no sense because if you were just going to yeah. let him go anyway in free agency to a pretty or maybe a little bit of an overpay, and I just don't want to look bad when I with my signings because I'm Messiah Jerry, and I got to make my Messiah Jerry name always look good. Like, if you're going to do that, then what the hell was the point of keeping him, right? Because if you yeah. if you lose Fred Van Fleet, then why in the world are you keeping Pascal, too, right? Like, because Pascal without Fred Van Fleet, I don't care who uh, how much better the rest of the Toronto Raptors get. They're not going to the playoffs next year. Right. Yeah. And they added Dennis Schroeder. <laughs> Dennis Schroeder? Who? Who? Strudel. He's going to be their starting point guard? Bro, bro, and the biggest overpay of the offseason is, which makes this hilarious because they didn't overpay for Ben Van They paid Yaka Purtle four years, <laughs> $80 million for a guy who averages like 11 a game. Most like he's not that much different than Cody Zeller, Miles Plumley. Miles Plumley got a two-year, five-million-dollar deal. Let's say that again. Miles Plumley, who also started on a shitty team throughout most of the year, the Charlotte Hornets, starting center, got paid two years, five million. Very similar to yeah. Jakob Purtle, who can't defend the rim, who doesn't do anything other than post. And not even a great lob threat, not even a world class rebounder, not a great athletic guy. He's a very similar defensive center, very similar value as a center to a Miles Plumlee, who is starting for the S- San Antonio Spurs. Gets paid $80 million for years, $80 million. Nikola Vucevic got three years, $60 million. So is Nikola Vucevic and Jakub Pertle the same quality of center now? Oh, I didn't know Jakob Pertl with the Orlando Magic could score 18 a game if they're in the post. Oh, I didn't know Jakob Pertl was a good passer. I didn't know Jakob Purtle shoots 40% for the three-point lead. Oh, no, he doesn't. Oh, no, he doesn't. Let me get that right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It. He's a bomb as a starting center. Like, center-wise yeah. in the NBA, he's like 26 through 30, and he's getting paid like he is 15 through 10. And... Long-term, he might not even be the starting center because Christian Coloco yeah. has high upside. That guy moves like he's made out of fucking grease. His hips are made out of grease. He started most of their games this year. They just wanted to have a more experienced guy to make a more of a playoff push this year. What in the world? So, like, two years from now, Christian Coloco might be starting over him, but you're going to be paying that fucking guy $20 million a year to sit on the bench. Oh, my God. Right. Yaka Pertl, man. What? Like, Messiah Jerry, it's official. Bad GM. He is no longer what he used to be. Because in no world do you overpay Yaka Purl so much and not, instead of just paying, not overpaying Yaka Pertl, you just could have paid Fred Van Fleet. If you were going to overpay, like, just beat Houston on their offer, I'm sure you would have stayed. Right? And it's just so stupid. So stupid. I, oh, my God. Okay. Yeah.
1: So I just want to say this real quick. Do did we actually ever think that Masai Ujiri was a good GM, yes. or did we just go like, Kawhi oh, Kawhi he had Kawhi, he got Kawhi yes. Leonard, he got Kawhi Leonard, he got Ka- he, fle- he he got Kawhi Leonard on a lease, <laughs> on a lease,
0: on a year lease. He did help won build a championship. The, the Kyle Lowry, De- Demar Derozan. That's that's part of it too.
1: Okay, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Because they kept switching out, but they just couldn't get past Cleveland. So yeah. had they got cut past Cleveland, they would have been would have been shown as a better team. Yeah. So I, I get you there. Yeah. I get you there. I get you there. But let's start here. <laughs> the reason why I think that they're number one on the losers is why would you get rid of Fran VanVleet? Exactly. Why would you replace him with Strudel? <laughs> why would you do such a thing? <clears throat> I don't understand. I don't understand at all. Because you have Fran VanVleet. Who can, Who was like literally turning into like the guy in Toronto True. next to Pascal Siakam, right? Yes. And yeah, you get all these young guys. But if you were pushing, you just got rid of Nick Nurse, right? Yeah. So now you got you got a coach, and you're pushing for it's eventually like a playoff spot. You need good players. You need good season veteran players.
0: Yeah,
1: <clears throat> going forward, the Pascal Siakam Fred VanVleet connection was working. That was working. What didn't work was that you were being stupid during the drafting process and got some people and got some players that weren't fitting on the team, yeah. but she was like, I like their game. So I'm gonna put them here. And I'm like, "But well, no, because like the Pascal Siakam Scotty Barnes thing that doesn't work. Cause yeah. they, they, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. So, but instead of now you have, right. Here's the problem here. The number one problem, right. You trade Flan Van Bleep, you don't move off Pascal Siakam. Now you have a disgruntled superstar who wants to leave. Now he can leave, and you get nothing for him yeah. now unless you move off of him, which I don't think you're smart enough to do at this point no. because you let go of Fred Van Vliet for no daggone reason, and you should have just done it last year. Yeah. Last year, when he was on the chopping block, you should have just got rid of him instead of not paying him this year and yes. let him walk. Yes. You could have traded him and got something, but instead you just let him walk, and now you got to pay Jacoperto $80, $80 million, and you got Dennis Schroeder for $20 million. Why? <laughs> yeah why
0: smoking that strudel
1: is is, is strudel is not he's good but he's like you don't you don't that's not an upgrade you know what i'm saying that's not an upgrade you downgraded you could have had fred van vliet and pascal siakam for at least another let's say another two three years if you wanted to do it maybe possibly three four years and then slowly okay look at the team reevaluate and build a team Mm -hmm. around them and you could have made that playoff push that title push because they're still very young these aren't players that are like on their way out the league this is is, no these are young players who still have a lot of time left who can make that push when they're together yeah but instead of making if you were going to be like okay we're not going to keep you we're going to trade you for we're going to we're going to replace you Instead of getting something for him, considering what the market was looking like for Fran Van Vliet, why didn't we just trade him off? Yeah, package him with Pascal and send him somewhere else. Yeah. Agreed. Or trade them both mm-hmm. to do two different teams and then just go in on our young talent. Like, yeah, we have a lot of young talent. We're looking very promising. We're gonna tank. We're gonna tank this year. Get a good pick and keep trying to build through the draft. Fine, yeah. but no. Yaco Perto got eighty million dollars, yeah, but you couldn't pay Fred van $120 one hundred twenty number
0: one loser, yeah uh, do you have anything else? No, we go ahead, okay, so I don't think there there there's a lot of teams that had some bad signings and then had some good signings that are kind of like middle of the road, so I think we should just take a team for team now. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the first team on the list is the Clippers. They gained K.J. Martin, uh, high, good dunking rotational power forward, may not, never touch the NBA floor. Russell Westbrook, two-year, $8 million. Mason Plumlee, one-year, $5 million. And they lost Eric Gordon, and they lost two second-round draft picks. So, um, you know, I definitely think retaining Russell Westbrook was important. Even if they do get James Harden, he'll be a great backup point guard. Uh, you know what I mean so I feel like they made really good moves for uh you know and they are still trying to be in trade talks so there's a lot of things undecided about this free agency time frame for them but I think they did a good job so far what do you think Chris
1: I think the the good part about this is that they saw it kept Russell Westbrook I think that's yeah. They we saw some, you know, flashes of old Russ while he was at the clip. We saw like him being able to, you know, um, you know, pass the ball really facilitate very well. It's something that they really need there, especially with you have Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Yeah. And they're still in free agency talks to possibly land James Harden. Yeah. So that looks fun. Yeah. Um or did he, wait, did he sign already? No, I not I, yet. I, I didn't miss that. No trade, yeah, okay, okay. Him. I was to make sure I didn't miss that. Okay, yeah. So he's is a the possibility they could possibly lock down James Harden and then you have Russ, James. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George now I know I'm not a really big on super teams but I think that James Harden and Russ have declined enough that it looks that, that I would be okay with that team
0: yeah.
1: I, they're not at their MVP levels right now so I will be okay with that team yeah, being in LA yeah. I, I, I wouldn't be like oh that's another super team like I don't really see that as a super team at this point um I'm not saying they're role players no no not at all but I just wouldn't – I wouldn't be mad at that team if that was the team that they built. Yeah. I mean <clears> – <throat> and they – they actually did open up a lot of sp- I mean, that opened up a lot of space, but they didn't have to pay. They got Russell Westbrook cheap. Yeah. They got Plumlee cheap. Yeah. So, I mean, they still have a lot of money to be able to throw around if James Harden was to be interested in the Clippers. So, I, I like the signings. Okay. I-, I like Russ back to the Clippers. Give him another year with Paul George and Kawhi And hopefully they both, all three of them can stay very healthy because I would like to see what that team looks like when healthy because we haven't yet to see that team healthy. So, um, completely healthy. So, I think... They only did rust for two years because I think they're eventually going to try to move off of Paul George and Kawhi Leonard if things don't turn around. Yeah. So,
0: Yeah, okay. You ready to kick it to the next team? Yeah.
1: Yeah, let me
0: choose one
1: here. I want to talk about... Let's talk about the Grizz. Okay. The Grizzlies. Okay. So, I signing Derrick Rose signing Marcus Smart, Awesome, right? I think those are awesome, 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 awesome signings, Um, especially because we have John Morant, who is similar to Jarek Rose. So kind of like, I think that would be a nice, okay, Mm -hmm. I come from the same place. I'm a veteran. I've been here before. I know what it's like to play at the highest level. Yeah. So let me, that's a good, that's a good veteran leadership thing, you know, kind of mentor, mentee type relationship that he can develop with John Morant and put him on the right path because Derrick Rose has turned his life around believe it or not <laughs> you know what I'm saying yeah. so and I think that also signing Desmond Bain for five years 206 million dollars that's good too as well because we've seen what the what John Morant and Desmond Bain can do on the floor together mm-hmm. when they're paired together and the, the type of magic they can make far as scoring so awesome I love that and they lost Dylan Brooks I love that as well <laughs> I mean it, I think that maybe it was a confidence thing. I could see. Maybe like once he like he was drawing too much at LeBron and LeBron started showing him up and he learned that he his levels, I think he kinda of lost his confidence a little bit. Mm. So hopefully he can regain his confidence in Houston. Um, so I I'm not mad at the trade. I wouldn't say that they kinda of lost. I wouldn't say they won. I would kind of agree with the middle of the road that we're going down right now because they did gang Derek Rose. That's, you know, I mean, he's Derrick Rose, you know, so I think that's a nice veteran thing. I think that Marcus Smart fits the Grizzlies so well because he's really a hard nose defender. You know what I mean? In your face kind of guy. And I think that's perfect for that type of um, especially as a backup point guard to John Moran. I think that's like perfect for that. Um, So I, I like the Grizzlies going forward. I think that, you know. Once Derek Rose and John Moran can really like talk, maybe they can kind of figure something out and kind of get him back on the right path. So, as long as so, I think that the Derrick Rose signing is more of a men, leader, like leadership, veteran leadership, mentor, mentee type of thing. But I think the, the market smart signing is more like, okay, this will make us, you know, better. So, I, I like those both.
0: Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. So, you know, signings wise and overall, um, going into next year, I definitely agree with you that Derrick Rose signing was very important. Uh, They definitely desperately needed a veteran choice. Getting a guy who used to be an MVP at the same position that John Moran is a similar play style uh, is extremely important to try to do the best job that they can do to put the vets around him to lead him back down the path of superstardom and being a non-distraction off the court. Um yeah. You know the dead has been Bain's signing pretty pretty okay. I like the fact that they retained him. He definitely makes a lot of sense next to John Morant. Um, in theory. Um, you know, losing Dylan Brooks, they already said that they were gonna lose him, so going back on it now makes no sense. Uh, but I do think that this Memphis Grizzlies team, as constructed, will not be as good as last year's team. Um because I understand it may sound like <gasps> Really? Why? Okay, let me tell you why. John Morant can't defend it to save his life. And Desmond Bain is a worse defender. So they did sign Marcus Smart, who is a phenomenal guard defender who can not be very great at guarding very, very, he can be very good at guarding small forwards. But if he's going to be out there and he's going to be forced to guard the small forward then what was the point of signing him? Because he should be in a situation where he'd be good at guarding the guards, right? So then, still, mm-hmm. when they play face, the Golden State Warriors, for example, who's guarding Steph, right? John Moran? Okay, yeah. that's that's easy. Like, Dylan Brooks is worst, right? Okay, if you throw Marcus Smart on, this is the issue, you throw Marcus Smart on Steph Curry or the opposing team's best guard, okay, well, then John Morant or Dylan, uh, um, Desmond Bain has to guard their small forward, who's going to be 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, right? And John Morant is 6'2", six, 6'3", six, Desmond Bain is 6'2". Right? So they can't do that. Right? So it's a defensive liability to move Marcus Smart and have him guard anybody other than the small forward position. And then if you're thinking, okay, well, they can get away with it because next year they'll have Steven Adams and then they'll have Jaron jackson Jr. So, Jason, why do we have to be worried? Because we could throw Jaron jackson Jr. at the likes of a KD, at the likes of a LeBron James, at the likes of uh, an Andrew Wiggins. Oh, what's the worry? Okay, the worry is Jaron jackson Jr. just won a DPOY by being free safety he didn't win a dpy by being kawaii and guarding the forward position right so if he needs and mm-hmm. if he's forced to guard the forward position you can just have him sit in the corner and not do anything not do anything because his greatness is it playing in space playing in space and getting mm-hmm. shot blocks and covering a ton of ground and being a shot blocker at the rim defending the perimeter and just guarding everywhere that's the best version of Jaron Jackson Jr. Won, that won a DPOY last year because he had it in books at the small forward position that allowed him to do his job and guard that best forward on the other, opponent, the other team's player and to allow Jaron Jackson to have the comfort to be able to do his role. So they defensively just went downhill, in my opinion, because even though Marcus Smart's a great defender, limiting him to just being a small forward defender makes no sense to me because if you're going to ask him to guard guards they're going to get ran through at whoever's guarding the small Mm -hmm. forward and defensively i think they got worse even though their talent is better Mm. because you know marcus smart say what you will about dylan brooks he's six seven you can't replicate six seven right and he was that was his role guard that wing you know what I mean? In situations where the other team didn't have good wings, they would guard the guard. But most, we're talking about trying to win an NBA championship with Memphis. You're going to be facing the best teams. Yeah. Right? Let's say Denver, for example. Right? Okay, if you have Marcus Smart guard Jamal Murray, who's guarding Michael Porter Jr.? Who, who, who's guarding KCP? Yeah. Who's You know what I mean? And it's it's tough. Like, you know what I mean? And the Phoenix Suns, dear goodness. You you have Marcus Smart guard Devin Booker who's guarding Kevin Durant, who's guarding Bradley Beal, you know what I mean? Like you're guarding the yeah. Lakers. Okay, you have Jared Jackson Jr. guarding LeBron, and we have Marcus Smart guarding D'Lo. Okay, who's guarding Austin Reeves? Who who's guarding? You know what I mean? Like these mm-hmm. these NBA championship level teams in the West have a guy at every position. Don't even get me started on the Golden State Warriors. You have Marcus Smart guard yeah. guard Steph. Who the hell's guarding Clay? Who the hell's guarding Wiggs? Right? You know what I mean? True. So these these elite teams got guys everywhere and the Memphis Grizzlies just even though they have great individual talents, because of the limitations of John Morant and Dylan, uh Desmond Baden, I don't I think they'll go downhill offensively. Okay.
1: All right. I, I agree with that. I agree. With that. <clears throat> Your pick.
0: <clears throat> My pick about team that I want to talk about. All right, there is a team that I definitely want to talk about. Let me let me bring them up real cool quick here. So I'm because I'm so confused at what they're doing. The Atlanta Hawks. Um, they gained Rudigay Gay one year, six point four million dollars. They resigned Dejounte Murray to a four year, two hundred twenty million dollar deal. Patty Mills. Uh, they lost Usman Garuba. Ty Ty Washington, Rudy Gay in a trade and a second-round draft pick to get Patty Mills. Um, and they also traded John Collins for Rudy Gay in a second-round draft pick move off of his contract. I have no clue what the Atlanta Hawks are doing because I thought they were getting prepared to win basketball games because who the hell is playing the four? <laughs> like, like, Onyeka <laughs> yeah. Ogaku? Like, he's the backup center that can't shoot at all? Like, w- what body do they have there? They have nobody. Are they... No, are they maybe gonna play small ball and put Bogdanovich at the three and DeAndre Hunter at the four and Clint at the five? I guess that could make sense, but like, who are they defending? Because Trey Young, JaJante Murray, but uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich and DeAndre Hunter—that's Trey Young and Bogdan Bogdanovich can't guard to save their lives, right? So yeah, that's a tough. That's a tough bit. You know what I mean and. I don't know what they're doing Um, because even though DeAndre Hunter may in theory sound great at that, you know, small forward, but he doesn't play half the season, right? He's always hurt. So it's hard to rely on him as well. So I just don't know what they're doing. I, I don't really get it. I don't understand it. You know, they might be taking small ball a little too far because when you talk about the East, man, Physical teams win in the East, right? That's the competition you got to deal with. And if you're going to go small to ball two in a stream in the East, I just don't think it's going to work. So I'm, I'm very confused what Atlanta's doing. What do you think about that?
1: I would say the same. I would be confused as well because the teams in the East all have centers, like true centers, yeah. like they have like where they have really tall like forwards and stuff like yes. that. So if you don't have, if you want to go small, you can't go small against Giannis. You can't go small. Against like a Jared Jackson, yeah. you can't. I mean, not not Jared Jackson, Jared Allen. You can't go small against um, Embiid. You can't go small against those types of teams. Yeah. So what are you? What are you? What are you doing? Um, especially if you don't have enough height, and you don't. Ha- and you're trying to go small because you the the signings just don't quite make sense. Yeah. So um, I I know we're talking middle of the road, but I would say Atlanta is pretty much a loser at this point. I, I mean, like they got off of John Collins, so that was a. We were kind of. I was kind of. Sur- I mean, I wasn't surprised about that. I was like, okay, cool. What are you doing now? And then they don't really do much. So I would consider them a just straight up and down loser. Okay. Atlanta
0: Hawks lost. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the only thing that makes this work is Christian Wood. Yeah. I mean,
1: if they were to get him, but he's not. He hasn't signed no, yet no. anywhere.
0: Well, let's see where he goes, Christian Wood double a lot of teams. Yeah, he's
1: a walking double
0: double. All right. All right. My team that I want to talk about, you are going to be very surprised about this take, Chris. The Milwaukee Bucks. Mm -hmm. So they gained Chris Middleton, $102 million Mm -hmm. deal, three years. Brooke Lopez on a two year, $48 million deal. Uh, They retained Jay Crowder on a one year deal. They signed Robin Lopez from free agency. They also got Malik Beasley. Um, And they. Lost Javon Carter for on a three-year, $20 million deal. And Joe Ingles on a two-year, $22 million deal. And the reason why I'm talking about them, and I'm going to surprise you on this, Chris, I am trending a little lower on the Bucks. So part of the reason why they found so much success last year was the overwhelming defense. And part yeah. of that came from... That Drew Holiday, Javon Carter defensive rotation was just beyond scary, right? And I understand that they couldn't overpay like Chicago did for, you know, what he is as a player, but he was hugely important to adding on to the ridiculous defensive identity, right? And on top of that, they also lost an important rotational three-point shooting piece at the small forward position. Because at the guard position, they already have Grayson Allen. They already have Drew Holiday. So them adding Malik Beasley, even though he's a pretty good name, it's not like he's going to get a ton of minutes. You know, he he's he's a pretty solid three-point shooter, but he doesn't give you much more other than that. And the reason why I think this team can go downhill is they are a team that if anybody decreases in their output, even a little bit they just won't have the same formula that has led mm. to success for so long and this team is aging Brook lopez is going to be 36 next year you know a lot of this team relies on his defensive ability right and if he goes downhill a little bit more then this team's not going to be able to defend as well and you add javon carter losing then that's going downhill a little bit true holiday is going to be 34 next year how long is he gonna be able to? Because he's not the kind of guy that's, you know, just like Brooke Lopez, great athletes can play longer and have more of a similar app uh effect on the basketball game as time goes on. But Drew Holiday's never been considered a great athlete. Brooke Lopez has never been considered a great athlete. You know what I mean? And Drew Holiday's gonna be 34 next year. And Chris Middleton's gonna be 32 next year. Right? Like any decrease in Drew Holiday's ability to not be an All-NBA defender anymore. Maybe he's just a good defender. And, you know, it's the same thing with Brooke Lopez. And they they lost some depth, that defensive depth. Javon Carter was a big hit. You know what I mean? J. Crowder is going to be 35 next year, and he also hasn't really played meaningful minutes in a minute. I mean, it's been like two years now. So, we haven't really seen Jay Crowder in a while play a lot of meaningful minutes and be what he used to be in Phoenix. So it's it's tough. They lost some pieces, and there is some age questions that I'm going to have to see them play in the regular season to answer because I definitely yeah. could see Drew Holiday going downhill a little bit. And, you know, this team is great, but their scoring comes from basically Giannis, Chris Middleton, and Drew Holiday. And their great defense comes from Giannis, Brooke Lopez, Andrew Holiday, and Jay Crowder, right? And, but it used to be Javon Carter, right? And they used to have such a great depth of three point shooters. And them losing a guy like Joe Ingles does lose some of that depth. So I, I do think that they have lost something. And you add on the new head coach, I wouldn't be surprised if the Milwaukee Bucks, even if healthy, don't make the Eastern Conference Finals next year because of decreasing talent.
1: Yeah, and then that's another thing—the losing of the. I mean, you know, switching coaches, for, uh, you know, and not having Budenholzer anymore, and bringing the new coach in, and then revamping his—you know—he has to do another offense, create another offense around Giannis yeah. that that's that supports all the, that uses all the supporting cast. I can see it going downhill. Um, absolutely right. People are getting older on that team. The team is aging. Um, and then you lose some of your defensive scoring capabilities when you lose Javon Carter. But and then you haven't really seen much of Jay Crowder to really be like, okay, we're going to depend on Jay Crowder now. You haven't really seen much of him in the past, you know, year or so that you can really be like, okay, this is it going forward. This is the team that we're going to roll out. I I kind of agree with you. It's a surprising take for sure, but it, now that you've explained it, I agree with it because I can see the Bucks not performing as good as they did last year and kind yeah. of underperforming this year and kind of losing the teams that they would normally beat and things like that. Like, yeah, you have Giannis still, he's still young, he's still hungry. He's still, uh, you know, a great player in the, in the league. But if the supporting cast isn't adding up and, and if anybody on that team takes just a small step back, it's yeah. going to be detrimental to the entire team. So, um, I mean, yeah, they resigned, but, I mean, I just don't, I'm not really super big on the Bucks going forward. I can definitely agree with that.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's a, not a Giannis issue, but you need complimentary pieces to win a ring, and their complimentary yeah, pieces exactly. are aging. You know what I mean? It's just a natural yeah. thing. And there's going an to come a point yeah. in time where they're just not going to be able to support them anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, what's your uh, next team?
1: Let's go with... Do-do-do-do-do-do. Do uh, let's go with let's go with the Phoenix Suns
0: oh that's what I want to talk about next go for it Chris we needed so, to talk about this yeah go
1: yeah so I think that they they've done some things to kind of make themselves more it take you know with the assigning of Bradley Beal they got it a lot deeper and they got a lot more shooting a lot more people to depend on they got Eric Gordon which i guess is kind of they're going to step him in for a CP3 and have him be the starting point guard i guess i don't i don't know i don't know what they're doing with that point of things they got better defensively they got Josh Okogie they got some scoring they got Yuta Watanabe who can who can shoot lights out they got a lot of scoring but then the guard position point guard position it looks really weird um (laughs) because i don't know like yeah you got all these weapons now but who's passing the ball is that's my biggest question here who is passing the ball you got more defense you got more scoring but eric gordon's old (laughs) He didn't give any bids last year. Like, is he going to be your primary passer? Is he the one you're expecting to go to battle against, like, you know, the minds of Nikola of Jokic and be like, yeah, we can win this chess battle. Like, that's not going to happen. So, I don't – I mean, I don't dislike the picks. I just think they could have done – I mean – Considering who what they're paying, they maybe they could have gotten somebody else other than Eric Gordon who might have been a little bit better basketball IQ wise, but I'm not completely mad at it because they did get they added a lot of depth with the money that they had left. But Eric Gordon and then you just like that their thought process right now in Phoenix is we have so many weapons, it doesn't matter who we have at the at point guard. All they have yeah. to do is pass the ball. And I'm just like, that's not gonna win you anything. <laughs> That's not going to work. Yeah. I don't agree with that. Go ahead, Jay.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm so glad <laughs> that we get to hate on the same team uh, together. <laughs> it's the two of us, man. Against the world. Yeah. Cause everybody is like, oh, my God, the best free agency signings is Phoenix. Oh, my God, this gym's so good. <laughs> okay, God damn. Like, <laughs> I get it. Fanboys, hey. Rejoice. You know, Drew Ubig's is a solid rotational forward. I like Kidabit Bates up he can really defend. He's six eight shoots a three, two 5 five million. Damon Lee's a rotational guard. Chimei Metsu is a really solid rotational center. Um may never start though. You do want to bonnie. Sure, can he shoot a three? Sure, yeah. Josh Oko, he can defend. Right? Eric Gordon is a rotational two guard that I don't think we'll see much minutes because of Drew because of uh bradley beale and Devin Booker, but they yeah. lost Jock Landale, that's not gonna really affect them. They lost like tory Craig, that's also not really gonna affect them. But dude, <laughs> like passing, because people don't understand. <gasps> they have Cameron Artist Payne! He's a point guard. Okay, well have you ever watched Cameron Artist Payne play? What does he do, Chris? He scores. As a- Exactly! He gets (laughs) to the rim and he plays the pick and roll and he scores. He is a below average point guard passer at best. At best. You want to know why? Because they wanted to find a guard that gave them a different look than Chris fucking Paul because he was Chris fucking Paul, okay? That's what that was, right? Cameron's artist, Payne, is not a passer, okay? First things first, How is DeAndre Eaton affecting the game? Where is he going to get his touches from? Where is the pick and roll going to come from? Where is he going to get, like, people don't understand. Like, we keep on talking about this, is Kevin Durant against the Boston Celtics when he was forced to pass. He showed that guy still can't fucking pass. I don't care how nice his assist numbers look. I don't care how good he looks on his highlight tapes. That guy's a walking turnover issue. Okay, Mm -hmm. just like the Clippers, when they try to force everything through Kawhi and, you know, Paul George and Devin Booker's an above average shooting guard passer, but he's a below average point guard passer. Their MPA championships teams need to be complete. They need to have every aspect of basketball. And this team doesn't have anything to do with passing. They will be a turnover machine. They will be terrible. And they have all these shooters. But you know what people aren't realizing? Is for the NBA shooters to do their job. They need to get passes. In situations. At ball placement. To be able to get their shots off. In the NBA. Because if if the pass is a little low. It's a little left. It's a little right. It's a little high. Like these passers like KD. And Devin Booker and Cameron Artis Payne. Will be doing. They have to take extra time. To shoot, okay? And NBA players are ridiculously athletic. They cover a shit ton of ground. And that will yeah. really matter when they try to shoot threes off ball. Because those ball placement won't be perfect. Because, and that really allows, it's, it's, it's commonplace. Every team has a guy that's passing that sets everything up beautifully. It's like, if you saw that guy in prison, like, Jesus Christ, you can throw that pass literally on a dime on somebody's hand every single time. Like, they have nobody like that. They have no initiator. They have no passer. This team will not make the Western Conference Finals. I'm saying it now. I No. No, not a chance. Also, if they had the money to sign all these guys, you couldn't have gotten a point guard. Like, seriously, you needed more three-point shooting. I didn't know you need more three-point shooting when you have Devin fucking Boogie, Bradley Beal, KD. Man, I, when you have those yeah. three guys, I really feel like you need a lot of shooting. Like, what are you smoking? What are you yeah. smoking? They just signed big names. They signed guys that. oh man, I love the way this guy shoots the ball on three point one six eight. It's not like we have like a bunch of <laughs> forwards already and like right. uh, Frank Vogel's going to have a fucking aneurysm trying to figure out how to coach this team offensively. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> he can't. Uh, So yeah, man, I agree with him. So, so we can hate him. Um, terrible job. Yeah, terrible. They yeah, had terrible. one They had one job to get one guy, and they didn't do it. Terrible. Don't blame me Man. when you don't win a ring. Right. <laughs> <laughs> don't blame me. <laughs> uh. right. You're up. All right, this is what I want to talk about, definitely. This is a big team. We're definitely going to both talk about this team, Golden State Warriors. Mm. Uh, they got Draymond Green back for a year, $100 million. I'm glad that the Golden State Warriors didn't overthink this. Right? Yeah. They desperately need Draymond Green. He's so important to initiating their offense. He's so important with the chemistry he has with Stephen Clay um, to allow them to play at their best. They can't win rings without him. They added Corey Joseph, who was a really solid three point shooting guard. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they needed a body. They lost Ty Jerome which I don't think is going to make a big difference. They did lose Dante DiVincenzo, which may on paper look bad, but that man got paid $50 million, and I highly doubt the Golden State Warriors were going to pay him that much, or even be yeah. able to pay him that much. Uh, That's true. So, but, you know, one one reason I really want to talk about the Warriors is uh, I heard Draymond Green talk on a podcast, and he brought up a few things about Chris Paul that I didn't think about when we first signed him. Is they had an issue last year with Steph, Poole, and Clay, where the way the Golden State Warriors want to beat other teams was three point shooting, right? And everybody mm-hmm. knew, okay, we got to stop the three ball because this is what they do. They don't really have anybody else that throws anything different at you, even though they're world class at it. Chris Paul is a mid range shot creator, right? Mm-hmm. They don't really have a guy that does that. Other oh, than Wiggins every once in so a while, wow. so that's going to be extremely important to give like a nice little change up to get a few points a game, just like Sean Livingston gave them that nice little changeup as that mid range scoring guard. So he's going to be able to do that similarly to kind of give them a different look. Um, <laughs> defensively, he's great. And, you know, one thing that Draymond did mention that I definitely agree with now that I think about it is that bench desperately needs a guy like CP. Fritt. Desperately needs an elevator, right? And, you know what I mean, and their bench was really bad last year, even though they had Jordan Poole on it, they just didn't mesh. That's because Jordan Poole is trying to score, he's not the kind of the guy that's gonna make your 6th or ten all their best version of themselves. But yeah, with CP3 there, he's gonna make everybody better. Um, you know, and I definitely think that they have young pieces that still can grow, right? And I, I'm glad that they allowed them to have the space on the roster, Moses Moody. Um, Jonathan Kuminga, who might have grown, we don't know how much too. Um having CP three to accentuate them and help them develop and grow, it's gonna be really important. So I do think that this Golden State Warriors team, I think they can surprise some people. I think that they are back in the ring talk. I think we gotta put them back in there. Because that passing that CP three has been has a lot of potential with the Warriors offense and he kind of yeah. does he is the change up right he does he doesn't play anything like cp3 in play right so mm-hmm. i like it yeah i think the warriors like are it. Going, going somewhere go ahead
1: yeah, i like it too i like it too because that's actually a big thing that she and i love that you mentioned sean livingston because i can like i can still see it now him you know was shooting three is he just takes that one dribble in yeah. knocks down a mid-range and goes Nothing back you could do about like, it <laughs> He just backs you down, makes a mid range shot and go back down. He yeah. has like twenty points off mid range, and he you just you just nothing you can do about it. Yep. <laughs> and I can see that like on a different level with CP three yeah. because he loves the mid range shot. He can also mm. see the floor better. They have a true point guard, you know, the guy who can pass, yeah. and that's what they need. They can sit him around like Curry and and um Clay, and he can like really like see the floor in a different way and really get the shooters involved like they want to be. And then another thing. Is that I saw that podcast as well where he was like, I seen what CP3 was able to do with DeAndre Aiden. I wonder mm-hmm. if he can do that with Kaminga.
0: Yeah, that would make a lot of sense.
1: And that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. If they keep if they can hold on to Jonathan Kaminga and so he special. can be next... And they can hold him next to CP three. I would love to see what that with that pick and roll with that ten can create. I would love yeah. to see that because CP three is the kind of point guard that can elevate those around him. He can elevate yeah. six through twelve. He can make them the best version of themselves with his passing. Agreed. So and getting everybody involved, so that's an awesome pickup. Like, yes, you lost some shooting and Dante, shooting and scoring ability with Dante DiVincenzo. The other ones don't really matter, but with adding the CP three, that puts you back. And I absolutely agree into the championship into the championship um, conversation because now you look. it mean, now you have a guy on your team that you that like you know that you can put the ball in your hands. You could trust him to make decisions. Yeah. And that's and that's yeah. big, especially passing. Passing has always been really big in our in the league, so I I love it. I love the CP3 pickup.
0: Yeah, I uh I couldn't agree with you more, man. Those this this Warriors team definitely has the juice to make it back. I agree.
1: Yeah. Um, uh, let's see here. There's a lot of teams on here.
0: I don't know. You know, um, yeah. Really quickly, I like what New Orleans did. Uh, resigning Garrett Temple, Herb Jones was is a, such a great three and D guy for them. Defense really well. Cody Zeller's also could be a nice backup to Jonas Valchunas because he does post. Um, them resigning EJ Liddell, Ohio State alum. No, uh, losing Jackson Hayes, who was kind of like a question mark that couldn't really find a fit on the Pelicans. So, I like what they did really quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, I'm sure we both want to talk about Houston. Houston? Okay, go ahead. Okay, so just to recap for everybody, Fred Van Fleet went to the Houston Rockets. Uh, so did Dylan Brooks. Let's bring it up here. Yeah, Fred Van Fleet got a three-year $130 million deal. Uh, Dylan Brooks got a four-year $180 million. They also signed Jaden McDaniels. They received two second-round draft picks. Jake Landale, uh, and they lost K.J. Martin, who, honestly, I think he might be out of the league in three years, so it's okay. Uh, no shade. <laughs> I'm just saying that he's it's close to being out of the league. Uh, mm-hmm. I'll I'll say this. Houston, people may think, why did they sign guys that are more developed for the Houston Rockets when they have a young core? They might be mm-hmm. thinking that, and let me explain this to you. This Ime Odoka and the Houston Rockets have decided to believe in a philosophy. And that philosophy is paying for vets to show these guys the way is more important than allowing everybody to have the space to get the most amount of minutes as possible. Yeah. And yeah. you know, there has been a lot of reports that guys like KBJ and Jalen Green may have not have been taking the NBA seriously, right? Or mm-hmm. maybe something along those lines of there's been a lot of speculation that some of the Houston young pieces, uh, may not be taking the NBA in development as seriously as they should, or uh, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. So having Fred Van fleet who's an NBA champion, you get to watch him every night. He's going to be the leader. He's going to show you the way. He understands how to be a winner. Because again, NBA champion. He understands toughness. He's extremely intelligent. You also get to have him on the floor and be the best player on the team. Well, you know, him or Jalen Green, but we're going to get to have him on the floor showing you the way. And on top of everything else, you get to see him work because that guy is a six foot, straight up six foot point guard that's not overly athletic that's made a phenomenal career for himself. And there's no mm-hmm. way that somebody does that without having an incredible work ethic because it's got to come from developing skill to an extreme degree. So they get to see how he works every day and he gets to show them the way and be the extremely important vet. So I really like that. And they added Dylan Brooks for a specific reason, I think, it is to be the defensive leader, right? Emeodoako really believes in defense, and it must be that he really believes that they to to teach defense, you need to have a leader that shows you the example to how to play defense, right? Mm-hmm. And Dylan Brooks is that type of guy, um, so I definitely think that some of the stuff, I think his situation with Memphis was overblown. It just went viral on TikTok. It was just fun to listen to it that he called LeBron James X Y Z, but let's not act like for the past four years that he wasn't a an extremely important piece to them winning. Let's not act like mm-hmm. he didn't always guard the best player. Let's not act like yeah. he didn't do his role. Just like Marcus Morris. I don't remember exactly what he said, but when he was with the Boston Celtics, he said something that made no sense. Like maybe I shut down LeBron James or something like that. You know what I mean? Like these defensive guys in the NBA have egos. Okay. Yeah. So it's not ridiculously abnormal. What Dylan Brooks is, uh, so I, I think that he's there to be the defensive leader and example energy-wise, intensity-wise, um, focus on detail-wise, to have everybody lead and follow. So I definitely believe that that's what they believe in now. And it shows through their signings, and I'm glad that they did it. And on top of everything else, Fred Van Fleet's only going to be there for three years, right? And then they can move on with the young mm-hmm. core. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I, I like what they did here. I feel like they understand what they want to do and they are executing
1: yeah, 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 I I, I like what the Houston Rockets did as well. Um, adding Frey Van Vliet is big, adding Dylan Brooks is big. Y, you know, you really much hit the head the nail on the head with both of these guys when you're talking about Frey Van Vliet being the veteran the veteran that you need him to be. He won a championship. He knows what it takes to win, what it's be what it means to be a winner, what it means to work hard. 'Cause yeah. he, he I think he was undrafted. So he had yes. to work his way up into this. Like he wasn't he didn't he wasn't a star. He wasn't drafted. And you know? nobody really believed in him and they took a shot on him in Toronto and he became a star there. Um, second best player on the on the team when they won the championship, honestly. Um, so um, he's going to be the best player on this team. Um, he's really going to be able to put those young guys under his wing and be like, okay, look, this is what it takes to win. This is what it takes yes. to be a champion. This is what it takes to to reach the highest of highs, you know what I mean, in the, in our league. So yes. and especially with Dylan Brooks, like, yes, we may have all laughed about poking the bear and, the t- and I don't expect him until he dropped 40 on me and all this yeah. other stuff. But we cannot deny that Dylan Brooks has been that guy defensively for the Memphis Grizzlies, and they're definitely going to miss him. You know what I mean? And Houston is going to definitely appreciate the fact that they signed him. Like, yeah, he got $80 million. People are like, oh, it's too much. But scoring aside, what he was able to do defensively for that team, what he'll be able to do defensively for Houston will be big. Ime is a definitely a defensive coach, but he also understands yes. the offensive side. So I think that the Dylan Brooks pickup is perfect for that kind of coach because he's going to want Dylan Brooks to, okay, look, I'm a defender. We want us all to defend together. Look at me. Watch what I do. See how I do it at such a high level and then mimic. Yeah. So it's going to be perfect for that as well. Um, I think that these are two great signs. Houston, it looks better and better as, as free agency goes on. So I am yeah. excited to see how they look. Yes, they're still young. But and everybody's pretty young. I mean, Anthony Leeds is pretty young still. Dylan Brooks is pretty young still. So I think that hey, like, give it like three years or so, we might be talking about them in a different type of light. We might be talking about them like, yeah, they're they're going, they're about to win the East, or they yeah. could possibly win a championship. So they're looking, they're building definitely in the right direction. So I love that.
0: Yeah, I really agree with you, man. I feel like this was a culture-defining week. You said they defined their yeah. culture. And that's the way they're going to try to develop this young talent. And I, I like it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Is there anything hmm. else you want to go over?
1: Oh, let's do Portland real quick. Cause I feel like okay. the Dame situation is something that's big right now.
0: Okay. Go ahead.
1: So Portland, before they found out that Dame was leaving, they signed Jeremy Grant and they're still going to sign Jeremy Grant. Yeah. That's, Good, you know what I mean. Considering what he was able to do, you know what I mean in Denver, year. and a couple, and he had a good year. He did have a good year. He had yeah, a like twenty something um, a game,
0: twenty two, twenty three in a big.
1: Yeah, so that adds more scoring depth. I mean, I guess you're now that you know that Dame wants to leave, you really lock into, you know, your young talents. So your Efrony Simons, your Shaden Sharps um your scoot henderson's those are the kind of guys that you really lean into now and you have jeremy grant who has who has some kind of veteran you know presence in the locker room who can give you you know some insights on what it takes to win and how to build a championship and how to and how to have a championship mindset because that's really big in the in the league especially if you want to win yeah. um so um i i like that i like the pickup um now off to dame uh dame has requested a trade he wants to go to miami like yep. there's no other team he wants to go to he just wants to be in miami he doesn't want to do anything else t- his agent has been talking and saying like hey listen if you guys sign him and he's <laughs> not going to miami yep. oh he's gonna be mad he's yep. not going to summer league i mean he's, he's not going to training camp He's going to be pissed off. You're going to have a disgruntled superstar on your hand who will not play. And he, everybody's like, wait a second. We don't want to touch that with a hundred feet pole. <laughs> but then, <laughs> but Portland's like, but we want something good in return. And yeah. Tyler Hero is not good enough for us. <laughs> you have to give us something else. And Miami's not going to give up Tyler Hero and Bam because you need Bam and, and, and Dame to play together. Like, you want that to happen. So, you, what they don't have enough. And Portland's like, we'll just keep them <laughs> like at this point. And I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how this is going to end with the free agency thing. This is very weird because they already said that Miami didn't have enough for them. They want at least two good stars and some picks. And I don't think Miami has enough to, to, to trade for them at this point. They have money. They can pay them, but they can't trade for them. Yeah. What are your thoughts?
0: Man, when it comes down to this trade, it's definitely something where I agree with you that, you know, Dame and his agent are trying to force them to get traded to Miami. Where, yes. Because he doesn't have a no trade clause. They did a really good job of signing him to a deal when they signed him to a four-year deal. To try to not have him on an expiring contract where he would have more uh leverage anyway, right, mm-hmm. and you know this i Portland and the front office and the moves they made they've been wanting to move on from him too right they've yeah. been wanting to go young, they've been wanting to hit the restart button um and they want to get a huge package back for Dame, which is understandable, right, but yeah. The market is just not there. Like there is no superstar young guy that's on a team that, if they trade for Dame, that will be ready to win a championship. So it has to be a three-team yeah. deal. Um, if if Portland doesn't want Tyler here with Duncan Robinson. you know what I mean. So it it's gonna take a while to to figure it out. I do think that. You know, the only place that I think Dame, if I'm Dame, I would really think about would be Boston. I mean, I don't think mm-hmm. they're going to move off Jalen Brown, right? And but I could see that happening Um, because it would be an easier fit with Jalen Brown with Dame and Jason Day. Like they would fit
1: better. Yeah. Uh,
0: but you know, I. Just because of the age, Jalen Brown might be the guy to stick with. But I really do think that Dane, you know, even the other trade options of the Clippers and, you know, the 76ers. But the 76ers, I mean, Tyrese Maxey doesn't get really get me out of my bed and be like, oh, my goodness, Tyrese Maxey's a perfect fit. And the tough thing about it yeah. is they have Scoop and Amphrey Simmons. So it's it's tough. And I think I honestly think Tyler here is a better player than Maxi because Maxi really didn't show up in the playoffs, and yeah, you know, so yeah, man, I I feel like the where it's probably gonna end up at the end is Miami. They're both playing hardball with each other. It's trade negotiations, and Portland's trying to show other teams that they're willing to take their time with the trade, but you know. It's not like Dame's gonna play in the season. Like he's not playing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like so, um, they're gonna get some. You know, it might be like last year when the Ben Simmons trade, right? When Ben Simmons around the same time requested a trade, and he didn't get traded till halfway through the season. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think Portland's a little delusional about the package that they can get for Dame because it's just not many options. Um, so it's tough. Yeah. So all right. yeah
1: especially because he made it so clear that he yes. wanted to play for miami so that that, that throws all the chips off the table i mean like yeah as he should but that throws all the other chips off the table the portland has no leverage going forward like it's yeah. either trade him to miami or trim to miami <laughs>
0: like yeah. that's all you have i mean miami has some good foundational young pieces as well that they can throw in the trade with nicolejovich Even know i don't believe in jaime Hawkes, but as portland does you know what i mean like it's yeah. there's some young pieces there that could be interesting right with time and i don't know man It's tough i i yeah, think a third team deal is what it's going to end up being and they're going to get the young mm-hmm. pieces send to portland from another team and you know but it's gonna be interesting man it's definitely wait to see be very, very yeah.
1: interesting just like I the james know, harden thing what to like, expect yeah
0: james harden is probably going to be in the same boat Daryl Morey likes to take his time. They probably are overvaluing James Harden anyway. You know what I mean? Mm. So, yeah. Portland and Philly are overvaluing their players. hmm Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Anything else you want to talk about before we get into this playing tournament talk? No, not at the moment, no. Okay. So... The NBA announced today or yesterday that they are going to have a p- mid-season tournament where they have 30 th- 30 teams if I remember correctly they're going to break them up in six groups they're going to play like each team twice within that group the team that wins the most games within that group is going to be the final six teams and the two teams with the best records in out of like Fifteen teams are gonna be the extra two, so they're gonna have eight guy, eight teams in a mid season like Marsh Madness style tournament, one and one win, one game win and done type of type of vibe, um, and they're gonna count as regular season games. I think it's incredibly stupid. <laughs> uh, yeah, because ooh, we're gonna win a cup, okay, and that means what? That doesn't mean you're the best right. team, right? Like, that, that that's not what it means. There's no meaning behind it. I understand it's a money grab. And will I have to watch it because of this this podcast? Yes. But it's incredibly stupid. Because midway through the season, where some players may not be even still getting in the playing shape, and they might not still be gelling yet, right? Like, if I'm the Lakers... Would I really want LeBron James playing at a playoff level intensity game midway through the season to try to to just try to win some cool cup that means absolutely fucking nothing? No, right? right. Not a chance. Uh, Phoenix, I'm not playing KD, Devin Booker, and Bradley Bill during that time frame. All right, we we will sit the six games that we lose, okay? And I'll be mm-hmm. fine with it. Right? Like, it means nothing. It'll be fun to watch for the fans. Right? It'll be fun to watch, but it means absolutely nothing. And I think if I'm, a, if I'm GM, I'm not letting these guys play playoff intensity games that could lead to injuries down the line just to win some stupid yeah. cup. You know what I mean? So, I disagree with what this is. You know what I mean? Yeah,
1: that doesn't make much sense to me either. You already have the playing tournament, which actually means something, you know what I mean? Whether you get a spot in the in the playoffs or not. Yeah. Which is I would prefer that. Now, if there was some kind of like, oh, like if you win this, you can move up and you know what I mean? Like that's it goes toward the regular season standings, but I'm not gonna have you like I absolutely agree. You risk injury. You risk injury. You know what I mean. You make it. You could make it interesting. Like okay, like if you win the cup, then oh, you move up the standings, and you're you you lock in a spot. You know what I mean? Something like that. Like make it worthwhile. Yeah. Yeah. Make it okay. You lock in a spot in the playoffs. You lock in a spot for this. You lock in a spot for this. Like no matter where you you lock in a spot, that will be make it better. But for the fact that you're just like, oh, you just won a cup and then we just continue on with the season. Like, I'm not going to play harder for a cup that doesn't do anything for me in the end. Like, yeah, Yeah. I'm going to be like that. Am am I going to have a a worthless achievement? Like, yeah, I won the cup eight times in a row. Like, that doesn't mean nothing. Like, who cares if you won the cup? Like, (laughs) nobody cares if you won the fucking cup. Like, (laughs) just that doesn't mean anything. So it's like, if they could make more, I guess, make it more worthwhile to the players and to the teams, then guess I would see, like, okay, I can understand it. But if it's, like, if it's just supposed to be mimicking, like, you know, FIFA-style, I mean, not mm. FIFA-style, like, soccer-style, European soccer-style um, tournaments, mean, then, I mean, we already have the play-in. We don't need that.
0: College basketball does have a similar setup where they will have a regular season conference champion, and then they'll do mm. it within their conference. They'll have a tournament one-game uh one game uh March madness style for their conference tournament and then they'll be a champion for the conference championship tournament and then they'll be a champion for like the actual overall ncaa tournament so it's they do have a similar thing but you know what i mean but that means something though yeah right and it historically means something like like oh my goodness right? like 20 years from now we're gonna have a debate like man, Victor Wambiyama won two rings, but he won four cups, so, like, see, my right. You know what I mean? Like, it, right, it, yeah. It's, it puts historical debates into a stupid situation if this does develop meaning, right? <laughs> like, like, if we didn't have a cup, how the fuck are we supposed to compare? Right? Oh, like,
1: if you're going to have a cup or something like that or some kind of like mid-season tournament, make it worthwhile. Yeah, Like if you're going to make it like, okay, we got to play these games, make it worthwhile. So like in college football, right? Like they have like the big 10 championship. They have the different areas championship. Okay. This championship, this championship, and then they all can converge into the playoffs and then play for the big one. Like make it worth something. Like don't just make it. Okay. Look, you win a cup. And then we're going to think about this historically. Like, yeah, well, you know, LeBron during his last seasons, he won like three cups, but he only has like five <laughs> rings. So like, eight it's rings, <laughs> fucking- <laughs> like you know there's I mean? eight rings now. Like the cup adds onto the rings. Like I'm not going to, I don't want to have to do that. That's gonna make my head explode when I have to go like, yeah, well, like they won like eight cups in a row, and I'm like, the cup doesn't mean anything. Yeah.
0: <laughs> exactly, the cup
1: doesn't mean anything. Yeah, it might be more money. Maybe they might put an incentive oh if we win the cup and it draws more people in then you get like six million dollars more like okay big what like (laughs) I don't know I I don't know I'm pretty sure it's not completely it's finalized but it's not completely finalized maybe they'll figure out some way to like incentivize it better but as it is right now I mean like I have to watch it but I don't want to
0: (laughs) exactly because we have Uh, this podcast yeah it's dumb
1: it's dumb very dumb Alrighty. Well, I just want to thank you all for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Hopefully, you enjoyed our takes on some of the free agency stuff. Hopefully we will see something happen, you know, the Dame James Harden, at realm of trades going on, free agency deals. We might not see anything until before the All-Star break, but just know that we will be covering that, you know, as soon as it happens. Um, you know... We have some, you know, some off season stuff. You know, we're nearing the season, probably a couple months or so. So we have some off season stuff that we're going to be speaking to you guys about, going to be sharing our takes on. So uh, look out for that. Um, Today is what, Sunday? So this episode will be dropping tomorrow, um, barring any technical difficulties or anything like that. You got anything you want to say, Jay?
0: Uh, Yeah, really quickly, just to all those fans out there, I am going to guarantee you one thing. This basketball podcast will not cover the stupid summer league. It does not translate to the NBA at all. Guys like Randy Foyer, Nate Robinson, Jared Bayless have won the MVP of this summer league in the past. Okay, this means nothing. Don't expect us to cover it. I don't care. <laughs> this doesn't translate <laughs> the basketball at all. As a basketball podcaster, I have to make decisions on what basketball content I... Watch, And I will lose brain cells and negatively get impacted by watching the Summer League. (laughs) So we will not be covering it because it does not translate the NBA basketball at all. I don't want to hear any questions. I don't care who looked bad, who looked good, because there's a gazillion guys that are in the NBA Hall of Fame. That are going to be in the Hall of Fame. That did bad, right? And there's a gazillion guys that are playing in Europe right now that did great. So that's that's what I would sure. like to say about that. Really cool. <laughs> we will not yeah. talk about it at all. Seriously. No summer league talks. All right, guys. <laughs> I'm Chris Mohammed. I'm Jason Collins. And we are the best boys. Peace. Ouch. We will not lose brains. Planning for your next trip.